You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you. And they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember... This is a deal that cannot be cloned. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Well, hello there, friends, and welcome back to Disability After Dark the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. Hello, I know it's been a while since I've come into your ear holes. (laughs) And I just realized when I said come into your ear holes, given the kind of show we are, that sounds really funny. But it's been a while since I've been in your ear holes. And thank you for giving me the month off to just rest. I needed some time to just be without the podcast and be without the pressures of producing a show and be without the worries of doing all that. I just needed some time to refocus and recenter and find my joy in what I was doing again. As you know, and I've said this so many times on the show, I make this show from my bedroom. And so I, I, sometimes I can feel like a fucking chore to put this show on as much as I love it, as much as I'm proud of it. And as much as I, it's my baby, it can feel like a fucking chore sometimes. And I hadn't taken a day off from producing this show really in I've been consistently uploading either once a week or once every two weeks for seven years straight up so I just needed some time to be on my own and that's kind of where I was I didn't I didn't I wasn't 
going through a lot of stuff. I just needed some away time from the slog of the show. And I, I realized in not doing it, I could just breathe for a minute. And it was nice to not worry about the numbers and not worry about sponsorships and not worry about guest booking and not worry about episode ideas and not worry about all these things that when you work as a freelancer in this space, you get really worried about, I got to produce, I got to produce, I got to produce. And I just needed to not be producing and to not be putting anything out for just a while in this space. I still did my social media. I was still very active there, but I just needed some time to not worry about this. But then I, then when I didn't do it for a while, I missed it. I was like, I need, I want to get back on the horse and bring out episodes again and do it again. So, you know, I'm going to try to be consistent again and, and try to do our every two week kind of deal with this because I really enjoy it. It's my thing. I like it. I like having this platform where I get to talk about the stuff that I want to talk about around disability. And I got some really sweet messages when I was away from folks being like, I love your podcast. I was worried about you when you when you did the taking a break message. I was concerned and I wanted to know if it was okay. Could I help you in any way? I appreciate that. And to those folks, thank you. I appreciate the help. But, but I don't have a lot of sponsorships or enough money to properly pay you for the help that you would offer me. So I don't want to say yes to that because I don't want anybody to work for free. I don't think it's fair. So thank you. Um, but I'm going to do my best to keep going solo here. And if anyone listening knows of any, of any people who do big podcasting, I'd love to have Disability After Dark. The same format, the same whole deal. But I'd love for somebody to properly produce it. So if, ever, if anyone's listening who produces shows and has some money in their pocket to do that, I would love to have the show like fully produced by you know, a team. I would love that. So if anyone knows anyone, I'm serious. I would love to do that. So hit me up. Andrew at AndrewGerza.com. Not even kidding. If anybody knows anyone, if anyone out there is listening and knows someone, connect me, please. Uh, but that's where I was and that's what was happening with the show. But enough of my rambling. Thank you for coming back and for being with me here. We are, before we get into the show, uh, just very quickly, we are also looking for any other sponsors. So if you would like to have your product or your service around disability featured on the show to the tens of listeners that come and listen to the show, if you'd like that to be a thing that you do, then feel free to email me at andrewandandrewgerza.com and let me know what would work for you in terms of an ad. Uh, my ad my ad rates are pretty comparable and pretty flexible also, but I'd love to feature your product or your service. So as long as it's connected to disability, um, thanks. Yeah, let me know if you want to have an ad on the show. If you are just listening and you want to support the show, again, of course, patreon.com slash disability after dark thank you so much for sticking it out with me and for supporting the show if you support the show financially you get the show one day early completely ad free as well as a shout out on the air and that'll be for you so please feel free to support the show if you can for as little as one dollar a month up to five dollars a month or more or there's a yearly amount that also works for your budget if that's something that's easier for you and more accessible all right, friends, and on my rambling, 
Let's get back to it. Episode 340. Let's go right now. On the show today, I sit down with self-proclaimed disabled dick slinger and sex educator and my new friend, Rochelle Manette. They are really cool. I met them. We've done some work together. We were on a little Canadian TV show called That Sex Show, where we talked all about sex and disability, and they were the awesome host, and we've done some work around uh, sex and disability elsewhere, too, and I thought they were so cool. I was like, please come on my show and talk to me about sex. So we talk about their experience being a disabled sex educator, what they love about disability and sex education, how their experience of sex and disability with scoliosis is different for them, and so much more. They were such a joy to speak to. I love having conversations where it just flows really well and it's fun and it's easy and it's just simple. And that was what happened here. We recorded this about a month ago, just before I took my little hiatus. Um, and I absolutely adore Rochelle and I, I'm so excited for you to meet them. They're such a pleasure to, to listen to and to, they were such a pleasure to interview around sex and disability. Um, and within the first five minutes, you'll hear we had a great time. So I'm so excited to bring this to you. Let's learn all about my new friend, disabled dick slinger, Rochelle Manette, right here on Disability After Dark. Rochelle, hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm swell. I'm super stoked to be here. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you here. We, You and I worked together on a couple things now. Yeah. Uh, we, if you're not from Canada, we did a little Canadian TV show all about sex um, where I got to be featured. So that was fun. That's where we first kind of like, well, we didn't even meet. We just, you were the host. Yeah. <laughs> I had done it when somebody else was the host. And then mm -hmm. they told me that they switched it out. Yeah. So then we met. A few months ago, we did a we did a panel for Smut Burger in Toronto, right? That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was, was cool. Really, it was really fun. And so, when in the middle of the panel, I was like, "Oh my goodness, you're amazing! Come on my show, do it!" <laughs> so here we are. I'm so excited. Um, and I love your hair. Oh, thanks. It's so cool. So <laughs> thank like, you. I wish I had curls. I have to keep my hair short. <laughs> psoriasis is real uh oh yeah so real so real <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the realist um so let's start at the beginning can you introduce yourself to the audience tell us about who you are what you do yeah yeah absolutely so yeah my name is Rochelle Manette I uh use they them and she her pronouns and I am a sex educator um I'm also disabled and I'm queer and I yeah I work at a sex shop which is pretty fun dildo slinger extraordinaire um, yeah dildo slinger. <laughs> well there's the title of the episode right there dildo slinger extraordinaire amazing yeah. I like picture myself with like holsters and there's like lube in one and like a dildo in the other like lube in one them. and like disability support for the other like, exactly yeah. yeah yeah and I feel like there's something so cool about holsters and like how they could be like an assistive device in a sense but also they're like very sexy and so I'm like well, <laughs> I never thought about that so are we saying that everyone that ever has held a gun is basically no maybe <laughs> maybe, I was thinking I was thinking that through and then I was like wait we won't do that because because Cops are horrible. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, a cab yeah, yeah. for life. <laughs> I thought I thought it through, and I was like, no, 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 that's no. But yeah. so yeah, you're a dildo slinger, amazing. Yes. Yeah. 
I feel like there's a I feel like there's like a comic book like disabled dildos singer right there. Like what? Oh my we god, should... yeah. 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 I would I would love that. I want someone who knows how to do art to write that and draw it. That would be Oh really yeah. Cool. Somebody <laughs> out there, if you're listening and you're want to you want to commission like disabled dild- dildo slinger, like we're down. Let's, yeah. Let's yeah. Go. Super down. <laughs> Um, so the first question I want to ask you and I ask all my guests is, can you tell us about your disabilities, what they are and how they impact your day-to-day life? Yeah. So I have, um, I mean, I think the main thing that I have is scoliosis. So like curvature of the spine. It's cool, not straight. Me too. Hey. Yeah. Nothing about me is straight. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right down to the bone. <laughs> yeah. Love that joke. Uh, I use it all the time. Thanks for laughing. Um, yeah, yeah so, I like it. I've never heard it before. <laughs> yeah. So that's the main thing I would say. Um, and it's like pretty low. So it affects like my hips and my posture. Um, I have some like disc stuff because of that. It's just like, you know, it's squished to one side and it's not going to unsquish. And so I get some like nervy, like neurological pain and stuff like that. Some numbness in my legs. Um, and yeah, just a whole lot of whole lot of chronic pain mainly um and yeah and numbness I guess um and then yeah I also and I recently found this out although someone had said something about this when I was a kid but I was a ballet dancer for a really long time and so it was considered like a good thing that like I'm hypermobile uh so I have injured myself so many times because of that uh and it just it turns out that you shouldn't stretch your legs over your head especially if you don't have to work that hard to do it like it, it causes yeah. problems later on <laughs> there's like a lot of hip dysplasia maybe yeah oh yeah. yeah exactly yeah hip dysplasia I recently about a year ago now actually it's like almost the year anniversary I had hip surgery to fix like a torn labrum or like the cartilage in my hip had torn yeah. um, so I had to get that surgery that was a fun recovery the hip brace for six weeks and it was so itchy because you couldn't wash it so I just had to wear like a ton of clothes to bed and it was horrible (laughs) (laughs) yeah I had hip surgery about 20 20 years ago and it was I was 18 and it was like horrible because they don't tell you how painful it's gonna be it hurts it hurts like a bitch and you can't move and it's really horrible (laughs) it's the worst my partner had to like lift me on and off the toilet like I couldn't yeah that's like new for me so I wasn't used to that well (laughs) somebody who has that happen to them constantly yeah uh, don't worry it's cool yeah oh yeah we got over it pretty quickly it was just like okay this is new I gotta deal with it all right we're we're into it um so what I don't know I don't know what to say there's so many ways I could segue here uh (laughs) what um what what about sex and disability how did you become interested in, in talking about that because as somebody who works in the field, I know that when we say we do sex and disability, people are like, oh, oh, cool. I don't know how to, where to go from there. What do I talk about now? Yeah, right. And I feel like it's always so different. Like even just sex educators who aren't necessarily disabled. Um, I'm always like, how did you get into what you're doing? And what's like your like topic of interest and expertise and stuff like that? And it's just cool how there's no like one way to do it. Um, But the way I got into it, my uh, background when I went to university, like to do my bachelor's, I was in recreation therapy. So like I am a certified rec therapist um, and the sort of like purpose of rec therapy, usually they're in like clinical settings, but I find that they're 
moving more into community settings now and yeah. also long-term care settings pretty regularly. Um, but sort of the purpose there is to um, get people to do what they like because it's good for your health to do things you like. <laughs> and so, you know, I was like in school for that. There tends to be a pretty large disability focus in general when it comes to rec therapy, just based on like where clinicians usually work. Um, yeah. And when I finished my undergrad, I was like, I feel like there's something there related to sex. Like we're encouraging people to do what they like, to do what's pleasurable and what's fun. And I just... I'm just saying like just sex is pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so there wasn't really like an easy way to explore that, like from a clinical sort of like viewpoint. And so I decided to do a master's, um, which wasn't a good choice. Who's to say? I spent a lot of time and money and tears and all me that too. stuff. I right? a master's of legal studies and ask me if I'm doing anything with that now. No, definitely not. I get yeah. it. I understand. Yeah. 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 And so it's like, I'm sure there was other ways I could have gone about this. But at the time I was like, I don't know. I was in academia. This seemed like the right way to go about it. Um, so yeah, I did a master's and my thesis explored people's experiences with acquired physical disability and how that impacted their sexuality. And so yeah, I just got to talk to a handful of people in the community in Halifax where I live um, about yeah, their experiences with like having a disability and how that impacted their sex lives and what resources they wish they had in like rehabilitative settings. Um, and I sort of had to choose like a really specific population of people and so I went with acquired disability also because yeah. I wanted to see sort of like how does that how is that impacted by the rehab process um when stuff happens so yeah that was kind of what I chose and then did the thesis work it was fun it was also very intense like I had some really wonderful conversations like all of my interviews were like almost like two to three hours long which is like wow. a, a long interview for master's research um but like I don't know when you're part of community you get to talking and there's like so much more connection and yeah yeah, like, yeah community building through that so yeah I did a bunch of interviews did a focus group we just like talked about resources that we wish we had and yeah just like what is and mainly what was happening in Halifax and what sort of resources existed there and then funny enough through all of that work through writing a thesis and I like hate writing so not gonna go back to school I'm writing before. a book right now let me tell you I love writing but this is it's the hardest fucking thing I've ever done in my life yeah it's the scariest thing I've ever done it's so it's so hard yeah. because it's your words and if so many reasons they don't like them what do you do? Right? <laughs> you know, my partner is a writer, writes like sci-fi fantasy type stuff, but is always, I was making a joke. I was like, oh, like, I like really don't like writing. And it's funny because you're a writer. And they were like, do you think I like writing? Like, <laughs> like oh my God. And you're like, I thought so. But, you know, I <laughs> yeah. guess not. Up until today, I thought so. That conversation literally happened yesterday. So it's news to me, I guess. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, wrote this thesis. Most of it was like, oh, I, I wish that there was more resources out there. Here are the kind of resources I would like. We want them to be like by and for disabled people. And so once I finished my thesis, I was like, I will make those resources. And so that's kind of like what fed into what I do now. Um, yeah, where I just like, mostly I do a lot of workshops and um, like for community members, a lot of uh, like free community consultation if someone has a disability and they are looking for a sex toy or they're looking to adapt their sex toy then we'll just like have a little zoom meeting talk about what that might look like 
offer some recommendations like pretty simple and sometimes really like quick I find a lot of people just sort of need permission to like try something and then yeah 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 exactly yeah and then I also train like healthcare practitioners and people who work in disability sector to better offer information and like be a resource because like if it just stays with me it's like not accessible and so I'm very like where else can we get this information to and from exactly how do you find working with people who are not disabled in the disability sector because I know how hard that is to get them on side of like oh disabled people want to fuck too and you are the gatekeeper to help them do that so maybe you could be less ableist about it and relax a little bit yeah yeah I find like I'm pretty lucky because where I work like I I work at a sex shop and when people find me they're already sort of at that point of like we know we need this resource we came to you like no one is bringing me in to like force me to talk to people um, or forcing other people to like listen to me when we're talking about sex and so once I once they get to me they're like no we know that this is necessary and we want to do this Um, And I find like a lot of people are just uncomfortable with the idea of sex in general. And so like, yeah, and their discomfort with like, how does that apply to disability? They're already uncomfortable with disability, even if they don't realize it. I mean, I think even the most well-meaning folks are uncomfortable with disability. Like if you put me in a room full of people with intellectual disabilities and I didn't know how to interact with them, I would also be like, I accept you're you're disabled, but I don't know how to, I want to be able to talk with you. How do I do this? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think all of us are afraid on one level or another. And the more we we can just admit that, then we can move up things way faster than we could right now. Yeah, absolutely. And I just find like having like offering, especially for the staff. And I actually I find this for everyone, like offering a space for people to just talk about sex in a way, talk about the things that are coming up for them. Um, that like feel like they're not supposed to talk about like just having that space to just be like yeah this is this is normal this is what I do every day you can do this too it's fine and like coming at it from that perspective of being like yeah like I said something ridiculous and everyone laughed and that's sort of like the vibe we're going to and like working with when we talk about sex and it doesn't have to be this like really dire thing in the way that we talk about it in the media um, and I like I get it because there is a lot of violence that happens, especially and, like yeah, especially towards abuse. disabled people. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and abuse. And so it's like I get the fear. I know where it comes from, um, but I also think that there's sort of like two sides to the conversation a little oh, yeah. bit about like consent in general. Of like, here's the harm reduction approach, and here's like the pleasure focused yeah, approach. Exactly, and I yeah. think you know in Ontario, we have a, we our premier is an idiot, and I. <laughs> I don't say that to be ableist. I just mean it's true. He's an idiot, and he decided to to repeal our sex education laws in Ontario back to 1998. And all the talks about is this one line in the in the Education Act that says, if your disabled student is is going to be sexually active, explain to them that there's a risk of assault or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. But it's something like that. Talk to them about, you know, the possibility for abuse. Mm -hmm. There's no mention of pleasure. There's no mention of that your disabled student can, should be able to enjoy their body and enjoy sex. And that's, it's a shame. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think I know, we all know where the fear comes from and the fear is valid. And I think we have to be cognizant of that. But also it doesn't mean we can't have the conversation about pleasure either. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I find like a lot of the fear comes from this idea that people are automatically going to explore like with other people and maybe with people who don't have their best interests at heart. Um, but I think like the more that we talk about it and the more that we offer information, the better people are at communicating about sex, communicating their boundaries and their needs. And yeah, like a lot of these a lot of these issues come up when people like don't know how to share their boundaries or how to share their needs. And I think that like some of the the like shitty things that happen are because people didn't know how to talk about sex. Yeah. And, you know, and that's not to say that there isn't like people who are actively perpetrating violence, but there is that middle ground of people who just didn't know how to do the thing. They didn't know how to ask the questions. They didn't know how to listen for the responses and they made a mistake. And we sort of like, I think that that group of people gets left out a lot of the time in the conversation and they're the ones who are most likely to like, you know, feel bad when they've done something wrong and, but not know how to fix it and not know what to do about it and feel fear around it. I think also we have, you know, the fear around disability and sexuality. We have hundreds of years of scientists, scientists, I'm putting them in giant air quotes because who knows, (laughs) scientists telling us that, you know, having sex with a disabled person means you're going to pass it on to your offspring or having sex with a disabled person means you're going to hell or having sex with a disabled person means that you, are, you know, are going to do do something to the people minded or some, you know, bullshit like that. So we have all this mythology spinning around sex and disability and none of it's based in joy. None of it's based in happiness. It's either based in risk or you're going to hell. So yeah. like, no wonder people are afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, like those, those fearful conversations are not getting us anywhere because people are still having sex. They're still doing things to their bodies that like maybe weren't super safe, but they're afraid to talk about it, but it's happening yeah. anyways. And so like not yeah. addressing it is not going to make it stop. It's just going to make it worse most of the time. Do you think we could talk a little bit about your sex life? Yeah, I love talking about my sex life. <laughs> cool. Um, so I know with my sex life being disabled, being as disabled as I am, sex can be really not hard, but it's hard to get in the positions. It's hard to plan it. It's hard to do all that stuff. And when I have chronic pain also, um, how does your scoliosis and, and all the things you live with affect your sex? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing was like the the period of time where I was sort of like becoming disabled like I've had scoliosis since I was a kid but it didn't like affect me in these like bigger ways until I was in my like early 20s um and so at that point I had been having like probably somewhat like able-bodied sex and like maybe it was a little bit boring but it got less boring when I came out as queer and was like oh this is what sex can be so that was that was pretty cool helpful. better yeah <laughs> right exactly cool better awesome um but, yeah figure it out yeah exactly exactly we're like oh these rules that I thought applied actually don't matter at all yeah Um, and so that was probably really helpful for me when like disability did start to affect me Um, and I was like oh all these things I used to do that were really pleasurable and really fun like they're not possible anymore even just like positioning myself like I can't spend a lot of time like weight bearing on my knees or like in in my hips and you know loved to get on top of people and like can't really do that for very long now and I think like yeah the biggest ways that it affected my sex life as sort of like a change was that I had to rethink what 
topping looked like or like what sex was going to look like in yeah. a sense. Um, yeah. And for a while, like I was just really, I don't know, I, I had a really hard time with like having more chronic pain more often and not feeling very sexy about it yeah. and just being like oh the horny is gone like I'm in pain all the time I don't know yeah. what to do about this this is new I'm having a difficult time I do not feel the horny um, and so it took a lot of like exploring that and exploring like where pain can be used to create horny uh, <laughs> I'm talking about horny is this like idea <laughs> yeah yeah and I've done that I've done that too finding out where the pain is and how how to make the pain feel good and that's mm -hmm. i talk to a lot of people about that that's a hard place to get to yeah for it's a really sure. hard journey to go down to be like oh i can shift it because we're taught as disabled people when something hurts it's really bad yeah if something's hurting something's really wrong yeah. so to have to try to like shift that narrative you can do it but it takes a while yeah yeah, absolutely. And like, I talk a lot about this, this came up in my research, actually, and I just started exploring it, like, it came up a little bit in my research, and I was just interested in it. So it was like, I'm gonna explore this, like, just myself later on, and just finding ways to, like, give myself pain in like a sexy way that kind of makes me forget or like distracts me from sort of those yeah. more like chronic pain experiences. And so if most of my pain is happening in like my hips and lower back and things like that, I'm like, well, are there ways, are there toys, are there like kinky things that I can do to my body that are so like sensory overload that my brain just kind of like is distracted a little bit and that pain cycle kind of gets like interrupted a little bit. Um, and yeah, like it, it's, I mean, it's a work in progress. I'm always in the middle of exploring. Um, but yeah, but I also find that like kink has been important in my life in terms of like power dynamics and what it means to like be a dominant person when you need to lie down or like what it means to like, what does topping and bottoming mean, you know, in the ways that we've sort of like explored it further from like, are you the inserter or the person being inserted into? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I think all those things like I, I've given up top and butt. Like those are not terms that I use myself because yeah. I find them a little bit outdated and ridiculous. Yeah. For sure. I use like on the side. So I I like to do everything everything else except for penetrative sex. Like I I'll do the penetrative sex if we get there, but like it's not on my menu of things I need to do because it's really inaccessible to me mm -hmm. in both aspects of being the inserted one or inserting in one. It's hard to do that. Um, it's funny because like an hour ago, before we got on here, somebody was like, so we're, I was talking to a guy on, on an app and he goes, so I guess you can't like thrust. And I was like, nope, I can't. And he's like, oh, well, we can figure out other stuff then. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, great. Oh, great. Like, yeah, good answer. <laughs> having the fear of like, oh, I can't thrust. I, you know, I've told people that before and they go, oh, well, I guess it's done that I guess we can't have sex then. And it's like, well, but oh, no, good. If you just would like, open your mind a bit yeah. yeah and I feel like people who think that sex is just thrusting in a bed and that's like the only option like that's so boring yeah <laughs> yeah the most boring it's version so, of sex ever so <laughs> like whether you're disabled or not nobody wants to have just that as sex that's yeah. not what I want exactly
Yeah. Yeah. And it's like people who, and you know, I, I talk about this a lot when I'm doing workshops with people, especially people who are experiencing like new sensations or new um, like barriers to sexuality. It comes up a lot where they're like, well, what positions can I do now? And like, what activities can I do now? And it's kind and of like, like, well, like, I don't know. Yeah, like, that's for you to figure out. It's fun. It's the fun part where you get to be like, well, what feels good? Like, where can I touch? What can I use to touch with? And, you know, just kind of like letting the rules of what sex is supposed to be fall to the wayside has been so freeing in a lot of ways. And when people are like positioning, I'm like, I don't, I know that there's position books out there. They're pretty straight and they're pretty ableist and, and they're also a little bit ridiculous like, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Like, and i'm like who's doing this and enjoying it that's ridiculous so like one of the one of the yeah. and one of the books that i i think it's a good start but i have some issues with it the ultimate guide to sex and disability was written mm-hmm. 20 years ago yeah it's outdated now i think it was important for its time but we still use it as mm-hmm. like the primer for most people to talk about sex and disability and I read that book and I go, it's very clinical. It's yeah. very thick. It's like a big book and it's a, mm-hmm. it's a lot. And I, I look at that and go, we should, somebody should make like part two. Can we, can somebody yeah. do it again? Yeah, um, I know. I think about that all the time. I'm like, I hate writing though. I don't want to write a book. <laughs> I mean, you can tell me your stories and I'll write them down and we'll <laughs> exactly. co-author it together. You know? yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that would be a good idea. Maybe we can do it. Maybe Let's we do it. Should. I, listen, I'm okay. Listen, the ultimate guy to sex disability part two. I, I would exactly. do that. Written by disabled people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There, were, were, there were disabled people interviewed in that yeah. book, but I just found it so, and I have a copy and I think it's great, but it was written 20 years ago and it's still used as like the only book on sex and disability that some bookstores yeah. have and yeah, it's like sure. okay we need more than this yeah we're okay um so you talked a little bit about kink a second ago mm-hmm. other than transferring your pain kink do you have any other fun kinks that relate to disability you want to share yeah i think a big one was um when I had to like ask for more help when I started to be like oh like I don't know it was just like the ableism in me the internalized ableism of being like I am not worthy if I can't do shit myself oh isn't that grief the worst that's so hard (laughs) exactly like taking it away from sex for a minute that is the hardest feeling and I don't think we talk about it enough the grief of like yeah I can't do this and it's not even other people saying it it's you in your head saying I'm not good enough I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. So I guess I'll just, this is my life now. Yeah, exactly. And I had like a really difficult time with that. And yeah, the grief, I feel like no one gets to talk about the grief all that often. And I get really excited when I get into a room of disabled people and I'm like, we can grieve things we used to have. We can grieve things we never got to have. Like it's, it's it's so important that we never, we never do it. And you know, it's, I think the reason why we don't do it is because the disability narrative, unfortunately, there are two there are two schools. There are there is your superhero and your disability doesn't stop you. Or there is your pitiful sad person who doesn't leave their house. Yeah. I am somewhere in between that. Yeah, exactly. And what about what about me? And so yeah. I feel like a lot of people who are disabled are pushed into one or the other. And there's no they're not allowed to have the nuance of in between. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, yeah, I feel like most of us are in between. (laughs) 
yeah. most of the time. Yeah. At least with the right supports, I think like there's, there's more of a possibility of like, yeah, you can do a lot of things that maybe people thought you couldn't do. Um, but also there's things you're not going to be able to do. And like, sometimes I don't want to leave my house. I'm like, I'm tired. I need a break. I from know. The- I love my house. Like, thank God. Yeah, right. I love my house. It's great here. I yeah. I can play my Sims video games and stuff like that here yeah. and jerk off and things like that. <laughs> um, What's your favorite jerk off material? Um, I really love fan fiction. I assume we're talking like what gets me in the mood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I have like a billion sex toys. I work at a sex shop. It's so nice. Um, but yeah, I love reading like erotica and fan fiction. I find I have a really hard time watching porn. Like I just, part of it is that I don't really see myself like in yeah. the porn. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Like, I, and I've done porn. And even watching mm-hmm. my own porn, I'm like, this is really overproduced. I don't, uh, I don't like <laughs> Yeah. Like right? when, I, very when I did it, when yeah. I did it, like, you play a character, you do your job, you make you make way more sounds than you would normally make because there's yeah. a camera there. And so like when I watch myself do it and I've watched the scene a few times, mm-hmm. I hate it. Not because it was bad, because I'm just like, I don't want to, it's weird. I don't know. Right? It's kind of cringe. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't like look at myself like doing yeah. this. It's like, it's so hard to watch yourself in general. Like watching the AMI show that I did, I was like, oh my God, I can't. I'm having such a hard time. I can't imagine watching myself in my most like vulnerable state. <laughs> like, and now that I know that your master's was like two or three hour long conversations, watching that AMI show. And if you haven't seen it, it's called That Sex Show. I think it's, in Canada, maybe so you can access it in the states. I don't know how. Yeah, I think yeah. So I was talking to someone recently who's in the states and said they weren't able to access it. So I think right now it's just in Canada, unfortunately. I think you can get a secret VPN. You could probably get <laughs> yeah, get a get a secret VPN. <laughs> yeah, get a little secret VPN. You could probably. But that show. Now that I know that your master's conversation for like two to three hours, you must have been so annoyed because you were like, we talked for so much longer and you cut everything out. Yeah, exactly. There was yeah. a lot of that. Yeah. And I met some really cool people and we had some really cool conversations. And then by the end, I was like, oh, like, I want to keep talking. I want to keep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a couple that were like, so there actually are um, on the AMI website. There's like a section called like digital exclusives. And they're like the not cut down conversations that I had, because some of them were like, I guess, long, but also really valuable. So they wanted to keep them in. Good. So there's like a yeah. couple there where you get like a whole whatever how like a half hour maybe 20 minutes or something of me just like talking to another person about and was it like less like read the teleprompter talking was it more like you did yourself because I felt like the way they made you and I could tell when I was watching I was like the way they made her say these things is not how a person talks yeah I know I know and it was so funny too because like when like yeah we switched hosts kind of in the middle I was originally just supposed to be a guest and then I but I had when we did like a pilot of the show um I was involved in that and sort of it was like me and the old host just like talking yeah. about like sex toys and making them more accessible and things like that and so they already knew me and I had been on camera enough times and talked I don't know animatedly and so they just kind of like threw me into this thing like I've never done a tv show before I've not been like in media like that well um, I have so, to yeah. say you, you pulled it together quite well oh, quite, thanks. I didn't talk to you initially when I did my interview I talked to the old yeah. host so I didn't know that they were switching things up and then when I saw you I was like oh this is so so cool they're so like they're they, they're doing it like it was yeah I really enjoyed how you did it because I could tell you were like I don't know I haven't done this before what do I do 
yeah literally it was like yeah but and yeah it was it was sort of it was fun and it was like a wild world to like dip my toe into and then be like all right like that's I did it goodbye (laughs) kind of thing Yeah, but it's been cool and it's nice to like when I do like a workshop or something, it's nice to be able to be like, hey, if you're looking for more resources about sex and disability, like there's this entire eight episode show you can watch that's just like, like me being embarrassing. Yeah, you guess what? Like, I get it. Here it is. Like, yeah. No, I, I enjoy that, that the, uh, doing that with them and I enjoyed being asked to do it. And it's always fun to be like, you know, doing uh, stuff over Zoom for them. And they really, you know, I, I feel grateful that it was on AMI and I feel grateful that like, it's important but i also wish that it had a larger reach yeah. and i wish that like they could go to a u.s distributor and be like hey this is important can we get you to run this because people need it yeah absolutely and i feel like i haven't seen at least like so far like i haven't seen anything like it or i just i mean there's not enough disability representation no there really isn't I, in general when it comes to sex especially so but especially yeah like eight, more eight episode show of like let's talk about these things i mean yeah yeah, it was heavily produced and there were some points where i were like i wish that they would just let them talk yeah like normally yeah well they made me like walk across the street a billion times i was like uh so embarrassed all those times with your cane where you had to walk through yeah yeah i know they were like we have to show everyone that you're disabled (laughs) it's like yeah and you were like people get it they understand yeah yeah exactly they like wrote like lines for me for the um all the sort of I don't know what they're called like the openers and the like introductions of like hosts and or the guests and and things like that and I kept having to like change them because I was like this does not sound like me and it's gonna sound so weird if I try to say it this way but yeah some of it was like it's silly it was a little silly it was a little cringe but you know it was was fun it was fun what kind of a what kind of you talked a second ago about representation if Mm -hmm. you had all the money in the world and all the resources to do what you wanted to do around sex and disability on TV, what would you want to see? Ooh, oh my gosh. Well, so, so something that, oh, what is her name? The person who runs shop Spectrum Boutique, Zoe Lingen? Lingen yeah, yeah, I that sounds right. Yeah. She used to have this like little web series that was about her just like exploring like sex things. And sometimes it was like toys. And like one time, like she got to be tied up by Midori um, and they just like cool. really like did the things. And I'm like, oh, that's what I would love. Just like disabled people going to explore sex stuff and like it being videotaped and it being like cool and like sort of uncensored um my favorite episode that I got to do was when me and just like a bunch of other disabled community members many of whom I like knew previously from different projects we'd done together Halifax is a small place and it's even smaller when you're people who are disabled and willing to talk about sex on camera and And we yeah exactly and queer and yeah I think almost everyone in that segment was queer except for Vicky but when we got to watch porn together like that was the most fun that I had it was so silly and it was so fun and we were just like totally unscripted and a little bit ridiculous and yeah just like interacting the whole like the segment was about like VR porn and if it was good I I remember I remember yeah yeah and it was just like it was so silly and it was such a fun afternoon we spent the whole afternoon just like being ridiculous and watching porn together and then like chatting about it and that was was my that was like my only my my only criticism of the the series and to the producers I love you you're amazing thank you for having us my only criticism was I wanted more and I wanted it to be a little bit less like produced 
and yeah. a little bit less like let's just sit and have a conversation like yeah i feel like you maybe you and i could do we should run a web series where we just like sit and, and talk about <laughs> do like a youtube series where we just sit and yeah. talk about stuff we wanted like that's why this podcast exists really because i wanted yeah. to have like uncensored conversations about stuff yeah exactly yeah. And like, I think that part of it was like the the funding that they got to do the show was like grant based. And the grant said like it had to essentially be like a documentary series kind of thing. So there was like really specific rules around it. So, yeah, there was like some pretty heavy um, like what we were allowed to do was really rules. specific. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. And th- that's always frustrating because like if you if they just let you go, you could do whatever, whatever you wanted to do without the, all the censorship and whenever it's grant money you'll be so careful i know exactly Ugh, grants it's like oh they're so great sometimes but also they give you a lot of rules yeah they're so uh, restricted yeah. and you have to like follow exactly what exactly what they say or you're gonna lose all the money which is so yeah. like not fair yeah i know i know Ugh, rough <laughs> um one of the things I wanted to ask you about, I'm just pulling out some of the questions we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you want to see in terms of sex toy evolution? Mm. Oh my gosh, yes. As a dildo uh, slinger. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, so I find that like what I'm happy about in the sex toy industry right now is that we're moving away from that like thrusting in a bed situation. We're starting to look at toys that can do more like grinding things and more like focus on really specific body parts um, that like aren't part of like the kind of sex that makes a baby, which is really exciting. Um, And so I've really appreciated that. There's a lot more like trans inclusive toys now for people who have been like taking hormones or who've had surgeries and stuff to like have more gender affirmation. Um, So there's like a lot going on when it comes to like inclusive sex toys. Um, But yeah, I find there's like, one of my least favorite things about so many sex toys is like how confusing the buttons are. Like the joke, yeah, the joke at work is like, for all of the staff there is people come in and they turn a toy on or they can't turn a toy on and they're like none of these toys are charged and I'm like some of them are probably not charged but most of them are probably charged and you just can't figure out how to turn it on and now you're upset because you feel vulnerable in this sex store yeah um, but uh one of the jokes that we have is like someone will turn on a sex toy and then like panic when they can't turn it off and so I always make the joke I'm like oh don't worry about it this is like 80% of my job is like figuring out what buttons do what and all of them are so different and there's no like one single Universal, way like a, button yeah. for a toy yeah yeah exactly and they're not labeled super well like they all have these different little pictures on it like sometimes the on button has that circle with like the line in it that is sort of like I don't know universal I guess a standard on. yeah exactly the universal yeah. on but most of the time they don't have that sometimes there's just arrows and it's like I don't know what these arrows mean one of my favorite toys has two buttons and one turns it on and off but then you have to like press another button to actually like make it go Go. Um, and it's just yeah like so bizarre and so silly um and like I think that's like a big accessibility problem Um, oh yeah yeah the buttons are hard to press first and foremost a lot of the time they're confusing like who knows how to use these things and you just kind of have to like memorize what your favorite toys do and how to use them and how to turn them on yeah and it can be really frustrating as somebody with limited dexterity to try to use those toys it's like how am I going to get off if I can't hold it and I can't touch the buttons and I can't do all the things that it's supposed to do 
Um, it can be really frustrating. So if you were to, again, the same question, if you were able to make a toy, what would you want it to do? Oh, gosh. I think, like, we've sort of gone away from, like, corded toys these days, but I actually think that, like, a toy that has the ability to have, like, an external dial or something could be really useful. The magic wand used to have this attachment that you could use, and, like, for those who don't know, the magic wand is, like, the Cadillac of vibrators. It's this gigantic, heavy... Old-school, beautifully built machine. I mean... Yeah, exactly. like... Literally, your grandmother's sex toy is what it is. Yeah, it's, what yeah. It is. it's yeah. been around since the '60s, and it was originally marketed as a back massager. And then people were horny and perverted, and we made it into a sex toy. <laughs> Which I've like, I've never been so thankful for all of the people caught. I mean, my partner calls me a pervert, and I'm like, lol, yeah, but I'm professionally a pervert, so professionally okay. perverted. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that. Um, yeah, but like, but it was kind of cool like this like attachment that they had and because the magic wand has been around for so long they had these other attachments where like you could um get this thing that like like attaches to the magic wand and then could like just sit on your bed and you could kind of just like go up to it and like rub against it and then it had this dial that was a little easier to use instead of the buttons like there was a lot of interesting things made for this specific toy and I find that that's happening with fleshlights as well, where, um, and like, again, for those who don't know, fleshlights are like the fancy brand name of like a stroker sleeve, essentially. Um, so it's like squishy and it has a hole in it and you can like put, I don't know, whatever. Toys or your body parts. Or... Yeah, exactly. And it's fun. It's fun to like thrust into essentially, or just like go into and if it has a vibrator, let it move around. That's fun too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, but yeah, they've been doing a lot of like, oh, now they have this thing that attaches to the fleshlight and it has a suction cup on the other end and you can like put it on anything that a suction cup will stick to. I'm a huge fan of a suction cup. A good one too. It's like, oh, this is going to go a long way. What can we attach this to? Um, yeah, I... <laughs> And it's funny, like, I I don't know, I'm not a sex toy designer. I often call myself a sex toy hacker, where I'm like, oh, I, I didn't think up this concept of what the sex toy looks like and how it functions, but I feel like it could be a little different. And here's what I'm picturing to do to it to make it a little bit different. Um, like one of my favorite things to do with the magic wand, because it's heavy and hard to hold and like, I kind of just want to lay down on it if I'm going to use it. Yeah. Um, and so I'll like use bondage tape, which is just like latex. It sticks to itself and nothing else. You can also use saran wrap. I just like wouldn't reuse the saran wrap. I wouldn't reuse the bondage tape either if you get it all like messy. And no, wet. you can also use saran wrap for apparently that I learned. You can use saran wrap for uh, rimming if you really want to. That's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. As long as it doesn't get like little tears in it. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Like a giant dental dam, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, right. And it's like thinner. Like I, I think the structural integrity of saran wrap is not like as solid as like a, a latex or like a polyisoprene barrier. But in a pinch, and if you're careful, like yeah, you yeah. know, it, it might be able to work. But um, but yeah, like attaching, finding a way to attach a magic wand to a pillow, and then just either like hugging it to my body or laying on top of it. And it's so strong that like having it attached to something cushy isn't going to change how strong it is. Like you still get a lot of those like good hard vibrations. Um, Yeah. And just, I don't know. I love attaching things to other things. I feel like that's such a good accessibility feature. I feel like when people ask you what your job is, that's what you should say. I attach sex things to other things. Yeah, exactly. Like I put stuff in other things. I attach sex stuff to things. It's great. It's fun. And then attach Um, it. Yeah. Yeah. 
right exactly <laughs> a personal attacher but yeah and I don't know just yeah I, I like the idea of like being creative with the toys we have I really think that there's no possible way to make a single toy that's gonna make sex accessible for everyone oh, I know I yeah, know I, right? I, I tried to make one and it's right? it, you know I'll be honest I don't know I don't know where we're at with that we're still trying but it's a slow go and yeah. I gotta tell you we're never we, we knew when going in we're not gonna make a toy it's gonna work for everybody and people told us oh this doesn't work and we were like okay we're doing our best like we're trying but we can't make the universal one yeah yeah that's the thing and like even the like concept of like universal design it comes up a lot in like the academic settings of like if we do things in a certain way then it'll be accessible to everyone and I'm like but that's never going to be true like because things that are accessible to one person are going to like conflict and make something really inaccessible to another person. Yeah, yeah. Like one of my favorite sex toys is it's shaped like a rose. It's not like the rose. It's like a, it's an air pulse toy. Um, and so, I mean, collo colloquially known as a clit sucker. Um, and uh, yeah, cool. right. It's great. It's cool. It, it feels amazing. Um, it's not like the one that's all over TikTok. It's like a different brand. And I find it a little more like comfortable than the other one, but it's like it's shaped. I didn't know they had clit like suckers on TikTok though. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and mean, you know they're probably called something else on TikTok. People have to be so careful there. I'm not even on TikTok. Just people come into the store and they're like, "This one, the rose," and I'm like, "Yes, yes, I know." The internet has done this, but like, and it's funny because the rose that everyone's talking about on the internet is like so strong. And for people who've never used an AirPulse toy before, I'm like, I don't know if this is a good starting place. So I spend a lot of time with people being like, "Here's what this one feels like." Like try all these other ones too um but yeah like one of my favorite toys is a rose essentially and it's just like it sort of sits like a little ball in my hand and I think originally people that I talked to were like oh the ones with handles are way more ergonomically friendly it's going to feel better on your wrists and your fingers and whatever um but I've got a lot of like joint and like finger pain right now mostly because of the hypermobility stuff um and holding a handle in like a funny direction with my hand actually was more difficult and being able to just like plop the rose in my hand and like just kind of Put it on there. Like, press it to me yeah. has been amazing it's like kind of the ideal way to like hold the sex toy and I don't know it doesn't get in the way of like my other toys when I'm using them and yeah it's just kind of like everyone thought that the roses would be worse for like hand holding movements and I actually find it a lot easier so talking to people who have like arthritis in their hands I'm like these roses these toys are light they for me are easier to hold in the way that I'm holding them but it is so specific to the individual that's a big thing working in a sex shop like no one likes the same things but everyone talks yeah. about the same things because they heard about them somewhere on, on TikTok weirdly enough yeah exactly exactly I wonder what they call it on TikTok because it can't say sex it probably has to be like uh body air pulse machine what is it yeah yeah exactly and i think and yeah now it's just like the rose everyone's talking about the rose and it's like if you're on tiktok and you're into clit suckers you know what the rose is but there's like so many other we have a whole wall of air pulse toys and all of them are a little bit different and the rose is not the only option it's like cute, I guess, but I don't know. I'm I'm very much uh, like, what is this going to feel like versus what does this look like? I don't know. Yeah, I'm just around sex toys all the time. Disabled people have to like think about that question way more than mm -hmm. what does it look like? Because our, a lot of our, what we feel is hyper sensitive mm -hmm. because, of our, because of our bodies. So I know when I have certain toys, when I'm even trying to... to when I was able to manually stimulate, when I tried to do that, I would always think about how is it going to feel? 
Mm -hmm. out of my hands when I'm doing this. I can't anymore, but back when I could, I would always think about how I would feel. And I don't think we, when we talk about sex and disability, we always start and stop with, how do you have sex? How? Mm -hmm. We never say, you never go deeper and go, would you mind sharing with me how sex and disability feels for you? Yeah. And I wish we would do that more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just like what kind of things turn you on and how did you get to figure that out and how are you exploring and like what rules have you set for yourself that you can actually just like throw away and get creative one of my favorite things about working sort of in like the sex and disability realm is that disabled people are so creative we've had to be because the world does not exist to accommodate us and so like any accommodation that's made it's usually like okay I've like thought really deeply about this I have all these little pieces to work with and I'm like making things work for myself or I'm telling someone else to make it work for me or I'm like advocating for my right to like be in a space to like get a chair in a place where you're not supposed to sit down to you know all these little things that I find come in a lot of they're pretty useful uh in a sex specific setting I guess yeah yeah I think I think I like how you said creative not adaptive I think creative Mm -hmm. is because I feel like adaptive is so overused yeah in the disability space I don't want to adapt that's why we when we were making it, when we were coming up with our toy, we were like, no, we want to create something from scratch because anybody can throw a handle on anything and that's great, but yeah. wouldn't it be cool yeah. if we started from zero and tried again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. Starting from zero. And like, I don't know, I, I feel like I'm not as good at starting from zero. Like I just can't picture like what a sex toy would look like, but, but yeah, I love, I love just, I don't know, being creative, being like, hey, this toy is meant to be used in this way, but what's like 10 other ways I can use it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I want to shift gears away from sex for just a second. Yeah. And I like to ask, and we talked about this a little bit at the beginning. So how do you, what brings you disability grief and how do you process that? And what do you do for mm. your disabled body? That are, And then the flip side of that is what brings you disabled joy? Mm, I love disabled joy yeah I'll start with the grief and then I'll get to the joy because then it'll be like a nice yeah okay yeah 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 exactly I mean I think the biggest thing that brings me grief is like the activities that I used to do the like I was ballet dancer for a long time definitely caused some injuries and some of the issues Um, but yeah I was a ballet dancer for a long time I did like roller derby for a bit like I did these things that were like pretty intensive high impact high intensity activities um, and they made me feel good and so when I was like having a bad day when something was tough when something was hurting me in some capacity I like had these things to turn to um, and when I started to experience more chronic pain and it became disabling, I couldn't turn to the things that like made me feel good when I was experiencing these like hard feelings. And so that was really tricky to navigate. Like I, I didn't have my, like my coping mechanisms essentially. And so I like literally had to revamp all of the coping things that I did. I got really into animated series and like anime and stuff like that, like all clear animation and stuff like that. And so, yeah, finding things to do that were a little less like body impactful. Um, yeah. And like definitely started masturbating more funny enough. I feel like that really brings me disabled joy. (laughs) 
because oh like sex with other people got more complicated and like I love my partner and like we've been together for so long and they've been with me for like the entirety of me sort of like becoming disabled and being a part of that journey and I'm really thankful for them but there is something really special about jerking off by myself having my alone time my special time with me to thank my body for what I can do and to like get to know my body in a new way that I maybe wasn't doing before um, and that, yeah, like even the way that I was masturbating before I experienced disability was like kind of boring. <laughs> it was just like, you know, you like I went through the motions because that's what you were supposed to do. But I was like, ah, like I'm not going to focus too much on this because I have like partner sex and whatever. But yeah, as things got more complicated for my body, I was like, I need time to myself. I need time to explore this in like a new way and so yeah I think like yeah there's something really special about jerking off <laughs> that really brings me a lot of disabled joy <laughs> I love it well there's so many possible titles for this episode already I don't even know where to go with that uh <laughs> I I and you know what brings me disabled grief I think in in a, the sexuality realm is just not knowing if I'm going to please my partner because mm. usually my partner's so far have been mostly able-bodied mm -hmm. um so you have this thing in your head of like they're used to able-bodied sex they're used to being with another able-bodied person if i don't perform or can't perform they're gonna not like this mm -hmm. and i think it's hard when you i work with sex workers who are all lovely and great but it's hard because when you work with a sex worker you're never quite sure if they're telling you the truth are they right. doing their job or are they being honest with me? Like, oh yeah, I didn't like that because of X. So I, I, I certainly feel when I'm with an able-bodied partner um, that like, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to be what they want. And that, that mm -hmm. brings me a lot of grief. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just like those expectations of what sex is supposed to look like, like it's still ingrained in people, regardless of how much we try to you know fuck with it and change it like there's ideas of what sex looks like we see it in media all the time and there's not a lot of good representation in media of disabled sex and no, it's kind of there really like, there's really yeah. not and yeah there's nothing to work towards <laughs> no most of disabled sexual media is maybe they'll make out a little bit maybe we'll see them take their shirt off maybe we'll see them in bed but the camera shifted weird maybe yeah, yeah. they're not played by a disabled by a disabled person like there's so many issues with that so like yeah. with all of these misgivings and all of these like misinformation gets in your head and then you get when it's time for you to actually do it you're like oh this feels weird yeah. how do I navigate this yeah and they like skip over all the like preparation parts of like getting yeah. into bed and like getting the strap on on like I was recently working and someone was getting their first strap on and it was I, I love when people come in and they're like I'm nervous I'm getting my first toy whatever they were getting their first strap on and they were like, do I wear the harness and the dildo like in my pants so that it's more like smooth when we like take our pants off and whatever? And I was like, well, I wouldn't like that sounds uncomfortable. I don't think I have pants big enough. Like this yeah. is going to be annoying and like weird. I don't know. Um, but it's like, you yeah, have... you do you like whatever, whatever gives you the satisfaction and like the the scene mm. that you're looking for yeah, like yeah. well yes but I don't know there's something about like that moment when you're like waiting for someone else to put the strap on or where someone's waiting for you to put the strap on and it's like this is part of the fun this is part of the magic but we don't get to see it anywhere except for in yeah. our own rooms 
Um, but yeah, like all the, all the parts of like, oh my gosh, having to switch positions because my hip gave out again, or like having to like have a good cry because I just wasn't the thing that I wanted wasn't working. And I was really looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Just like little things like that. For me, it's like, we never see the attendant care worker come in the room and position you. Yeah. You never see the the person you're with, your lover putting you in your, in your ceiling lift and transferring Mm -hmm. you from like. When you filmed with Vicky, and I've talked to Vicky for the show a couple years mm-hmm. ago, when you filmed with Vicky, I don't think they showed how she got into bed. Mm-mm. And I, I sat there thinking, I know how she did. Why can't we see it? I want to yeah. see it. Show me it. Yeah, I know. And so I was, I was not annoyed, but I was like, I want to see that because the audience needs to see if she's going to. And she, this, for anyone listening who's like, what are you talking about? There was a scene where. Rochelle interviewed Vicky to give her a boudoir sex shoot, which is great. And so they did that. But the scene cut from Vicky in her chair to Vicky in a bed. Mm-hmm. And she has CP like I do. And so I was watching that going, I know how she got in the bed. There was a lift. Where's I, I need to see it. And I wish we could have seen it. Yeah, yeah, me too. And like a lot of the, I think one thing that I wish... Like if there was ever another show that I got to do that was similar, like I want, I want the nitty gritty of it all. I want to watch people and like, I don't know, explore myself. Like maybe I get to go to a space or like I, I get to meet like a rope artist and they tie me up and we talk about the ways that like things they have to avoid to like not hurt or like, is it helpful on my body? And does it like affect some of my pain issues if I'm like suspended in the air? Like that's kind of my dream of like actually getting into it, getting into the like active parts of what we're trying to talk about. Um, Yeah. And like, maybe there's a little interviewing here and there, you know, the, like the startup part, but then we get to do the thing. I want to do the thing. That's the fun part. Not even kidding. Maybe Venus Envy could fund like fly me out to Halifax. I'll do it with you for a week. That'd be so right. fun. Like, I'll oh, do so it. <laughs> so fun. Seriously, yeah. Be, find some fundraise, find some money. Right. I'll put some of my own money in. Let's figure it out. I'll, I'll right. come. We'll There's going to be a grant somewhere I can make it's this happen. Something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I know people who are really good at writing grants. I wonder if they'd be willing to help out. You know who I you mean, are if you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Not even kidding. When I when I press off, I'm seriously gonna be like, who do we talk to? What what letter do we write? How do we Yeah, exactly? <laughs> like there's gonna be a Halifax like um entertainment board that we can be like, listen, this is really important and being yeah. somebody will help and like there's gotta be something because I think yeah. you're right. I think I think the way sex and disability programs are produced even when it's not from a grant, it's so boring. Yeah. Because it's all the same questions and it's no one's fault. It's just that like to get the money, you have to follow certain, like we were saying. And I just want to, I just want to fuck all those rules and mm-hmm. say, let's get really dirty and talk about the real shit. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and something I was talking to the director about at one point was it would be really cool to do a show that was just generally like about sex and exploration but just like have disabled people on it and like not make it necessarily a show about sex and disability. Yeah. Yeah. But just that like, we're all 
like anyone on the show wants to talk about sex and some people are going to be disabled and it's going to, I don't know, like normalize it. It's not this like special interest thing that like anyone can be a part of this. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm very for like closed spaces and things that are specific to like the communities that we want to be talking about. But I also think like if it goes more mainstream, then we know more about it and we get more action. And, and, and when the non, yeah. when the non-disabled person becomes disabled, they can go, Oh, there's something for me here now that I can access that is inclusive of me. Wow, good exactly. luck. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And just that like multiple people can see themselves in this program, in this show. Um, and that feels exciting. And yeah, and I would love yeah. to, like how often do we get to see a show with a disabled host that isn't about disability? Right, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, on, on a sidebar, I keep thinking we need to have like, when was the last time you saw a disabled news anchor? Period. Yeah, like, I know exactly. And the news anchor doesn't have to talk about disability. The show doesn't have to be centered around disability. Like you turn on the six o'clock news, and your news anchor's in a wheelchair. Wouldn't that be incredible? Amazing. I've never seen that ever in my whole life. Yeah, I've never exactly. Seen it. Where is exactly. it? Yeah, yeah. And I know that like some uh, like broadcasting networks are working on having more like disability representation cbc in toronto does a, a pretty good job of this they're working on stuff right now where they have um it's radio mostly as far as i understand it but they have a program where like three like disabled talent is essentially what they've like called it and so and it's supposed to be sort of people who are in like mid-level um and they like train like one-on-one under a producer and they like create this radio show and my understanding is it doesn't have to be about disability it's just meant to sort of bridge this gap of like access to resources and if you're disabled and like figuring out what your access needs might be and how that might be explored like in the work that you're doing because I don't know I got really lucky with the people that I got to work with when I did the the sex show that like you know it was about disability and so they were like we need to be really focused on access needs like we need to think a lot about what that's going to look like and how we're going to make it more accessible um but I don't think that's always the case I think that like media and like television and film is a pretty inaccessible space it's like not very flexible there's like really ridiculous call times and long days and hard work and when I did queer yeah. when I shot for queer folks last year yeah. we you know I was in two scenes which on television lasted all of together like four minutes yeah in real the real world it took a flight it took transportation it took like buying me a hoyer lift it took like and we sat in the room there for 12 hours yeah five hours five six hours just waiting around right so much waiting around (laughs) so much waiting yeah yeah especially on like big like film productions and and tv productions like that i imagine i've never done like acting and just you know i got to be the host of the show it was mostly me having to do stuff and other people having to wait (laughs) and and being embarrassing being like sorry 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 yeah exactly yeah yeah no, there were I, so I can't say that i've acted either because i'm certainly my one line i was like I, watching it back i'm like oh my god that was cringe what do you do what did you do that for <laughs> oh no but you know that's that took all day and i wish that the i wish that the medium was more thinking about how do disabled people show up in the world and how can we produce media around disabled bodies that don't that doesn't mean we have to be at the place at 4 a.m yeah exactly exactly so yeah it's I don't know it's it's nice to see that some like 
broadcasting networks and some media and like film production things. I don't even know the right words for it, but that they're like actively making an effort to make things more accessible and to like include people who generally don't get included in this stuff. Um, But yeah, but it's few and far between. I don't hear about it that often. And it's nice to, it's nice to be aware of what CBC is doing. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good for you, Canadian Broadcasting Company. Uh, exactly. <laughs> call me. I can help. Because, uh, you know, I built this media thing on my own. Like like you were saying, all the resources. Like, for my podcast, I have no team. It's me. It's literally the producer, the editor, the writer. is me. I'm sitting right here doing all of it. So, like, yeah. that's why you didn't hear us for a month, listener. Because I was like, I need a freaking break. Yeah. I'm tired. Yeah exactly exactly and that's the thing like when the content doesn't exist already you're like well i guess i'll just make it but yeah, it's so exhausting no one else is gonna do but then no like you do, i don't have funding for the pod i don't like i have great sponsors who will pay when they can and i've mm-hmm. worked with sponsors forever but like it's not like i have a producer it's not like i go into a studio i do it for my house and it's yeah it can be exhausting it can be really tiring yeah exactly exactly one of the on the show i got to talk to um Alex from Go Ask Alex who's like a yeah yeah. and yeah and we were talking about like how you know being your own boss can be really useful if you're disabled and sort of like doing your own thing because you get to choose your hours and you get to choose like when things get when things happen and when they don't Um, and there's no like you know like the man to like work for and ask them about and stuff but but also like when do you take a break? Like my work-life balance is so skewed because I, and like, I'm not my own boss necessarily. I do take on contracts here and there where I sort of yeah. get to like do more on my own. But I like, when you work in something that's so close to you, it's like, oh my God, I don't, I don't have a work-life balance. What does that even mean? Like, yeah, like what? very confusing. I, I, sometimes yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing work until like 10 PM at night because I got to work. And so like the decision to take a break from recording, I was so scared. I was like, what if I lose? listeners and what if it doesn't go and what do people don't like and then I was just like oh fuck it I need to just stop I need to just yeah some time for me to just do nothing and so we're recording this like a month ahead so but I just started the break and it's really nice to not have to worry about it it's really nice yeah. to just say all right it's there whatever yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah and it's so hard to put like important projects on the back burner being like this just isn't the time for this I need a break yeah. I need a second and then how are you going to get back into it? Is it going to be a lot of effort? Are you going to feel the same way you felt about it before? But probably most of the time. Well, I mean, you were my first interview back since I, since I, well, I'm on the break right now, but you're the first one that people are hearing. And so far, I'm pretty, it's pretty effortless. Yeah, right? Feels good. So we're good. good. Um, I want, I know, I noticed that we both use they pronouns. I was, Mm -hmm. I always ask people that use they pronouns. Does your they-ness have any connection to you being a disabled person? Mm, good question. I've never thought about it before, but I feel like maybe a little bit. Like I do identify as gender queer, um, but also like femme. Um, like I, I don't know. I love, I love the femme identity. I think it's really important. And, um, but yeah. But I just think that like gender in the way that we've seen it is very colonial, and in the same way that like ableism is very colonial. Yeah. And I don't really. I don't know. I don't like I, I yeah, I, I I feel a connection to my femininity, but I don't feel a connection to the word like woman necessarily. Um, but but I think and I think it's because of the femininity that I've chosen to like still use she her pronouns. Um, yeah. But like still but it feels really nice when people say they them, you know, it's like a little bit of yeah. both, 
I, and I like the swapping back and forth. Like that's kind of my favorite thing when I get to yeah, write a body. Too. When I swap back and forth, it's like, oh yeah, like that's the one. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah. And sometimes I get and I talk about this with my partner a lot because like we we both have we're sort of like gender expansive, gender playful. That's what they call. I like that. Kids. Yeah, kids who are exploring gender, they call them gender playful, and I'm like, I want that too. I don't care that I'm 30. Like I want gender <laughs> playfulness. Yeah, and it's like it's kind of nice. I like that a lot more than I don't know a lot of the other terms like I don't I don't really identify with the trans label but I also don't identify with the cis label and you know we've gone back to another dichotomy and it's kind of yeah. like oh how do yeah. we yeah what, what, what about is those the other in between exactly exactly and, and so like from that I don't, I don't I don't identify with trans but yeah. I the more I do the stuff I do I don't really know about cis either and I'm yeah. gonna, I feel in between Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but that's such a good question about like does it relate to the disability identity and like probably I think like the more that I've I don't know the more disabled I've become the more longer that like I have been identifying as disabled the more that I'm like not attached to the like womanhood or like the gender that I was you know forced upon as a kid <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and like these things were probably important to me once upon a time but now I'm kind of like eh. Yeah, I, I sort of talk about it as this like fleeting like notion of gender where I'm like, well, it's whatever. You know, I just kind of whatever. I like, I like, that. You're just like gender is whatever it is. See you yeah. later. Bye. Yeah. And like for a long time, sort of when yeah, I was I was binding for a little bit, binding my chest. Um, but I, I can't do that regularly anymore because of my ribs and my spine and the things that are happening yeah. in there. Like I can't wear a binder, I can't compress that much. Um, I don't even wear a bra anymore. I think also that's been like a big part of, of like the gender expansiveness of being like, they told me as a woman, I had to wear a bra and I don't do that. And so like, am I a woman? Who's to say it's, I don't know. Yeah. Just the, the like not, yeah. I think that like my disability has affected how I'm able to dress and what I'm able to wear a little bit. And so that has been, and I think it has been related to like my gender presentation or like what that might mean for me, but but yeah, I don't know, I'm femme all the way. Like wear my big clunky Doc Martin boots and a dress. And it's so comfy yeah, because my dresses like are that. all very big and I feel like I'm like in bed all day. But then I have my big boots on. And I think it was um S. Bear Bergman who talked about like being femme isn't like just being feminine. It's about these really specific choices that we make about how we are perceived in the world. And especially at a time where there was sort of that like butch femme dichotomy like yeah. I, especially in like sort of like the late 80s early 90s um like the choice to be femme the choices that you made around your presentation was like was important in that like straight people maybe wouldn't be able to clock you but other queer people would be like oh like that's the sign that I know that you're queer because of that and I just think that's like really beautiful and I I, I really connect to that part of it about like the choices that I'm making about what I put on and in my body um, and how that relates to like gender and and sexuality, I guess. And yeah, and probably also my disability. I mean, I like that because I think for me, like, I don't know if I'm femme or mask. I feel like I'm, again, I feel like I'm somewhere in between yeah. both of those things. And so like, so like I, but, but because I'm dressed by someone else every day and because I present as um, AMAB, um, you know, I have to be very careful about what I wear and what I say and what I choose. Like, mm -hmm. if they came in and I said I want to wear a dress, they'd all look at me like, uh, what? Are you okay? So, like, or if I said I want to wear, like, yeah, something more feminine coated, they'd look at me weird. So, 
I do feel like my thingness is a nice way of being like, well, I can't dress the way that I want. I can't do it this way, but I can use they. So fuck mm. you. Here I am. Yeah, I love that. Just the, yeah, the, I, right? There's so much of like the give and take of like, well, I can't do this. So instead I'm going to do this. Like I can't wear a binder anymore. So instead I'm just going to wear clothes that like feel good on that area yeah, in yeah. some capacity that, you know, aren't going to be as like, oh, you have boobs. <laughs> and like, but I love my boobs sometimes. I just sometimes don't love them. Um, but I also uh, often question like, is it because, the people that I'm around and the people I'm seeing are also wearing binders or getting top surgery or like all their clothes are fitting them in a specific way. And is that more this idea of like what the perfect body is yeah. instead of like what my, what gender feels like for me? Like, do I really want, and that's the thing I don't want to, I, I like having boobs some of the time. I, I wouldn't want to get rid of I like, I like the them. qualifier of some of the time. I like how you're, I like how it's like all the time. Yes, boobs are great. Yeah. Like sometimes I like it. Sometimes I hate it. I think that's exactly. Yeah, yeah, complicated. A lot of more queer people need to be adding sometimes to the stuff we'd say because Mm -hmm. the absolutes are not not a problem, but it's sometimes they're nice because it's like, oh, you have a range of human emotions around this. Cool, great, good. Exactly. Yeah, and there's nothing more queer than a sometimes. I think like that's you know, (laughs) it's like yeah, sometimes. I feel like that needs to be on a shirt somewhere. I don't. That that sounds great. We should. You should yeah. argue that as a shirt for me to send me. There's nothing more queer than sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? It's just uh, kind of like, yeah, that like, well, I don't know. There's no rules. Whatever. Queer. I've, I've asked you a bunch of questions, and I want to give you a few minutes to ask me any questions. Ooh, about yeah. I thought that'd be a fun little switcheroo. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think, like, I don't know. I, okay, and obviously, like, you know, answer the questions how you want. I I do a lot of this too. It's like, you don't have to answer anything you don't want to, but um, a conversation I've been having with a lot of people who use mobility aids like most of the time. And I've tried to sort of incorporate like my cane into my sex life, but I've been finding a little bit more difficult, but like, do you incorporate your mobility aids and like assistive devices and stuff into your sex life in some way? I mean, my wheelchair is a great makeup partner. Like if you want to brace yourself for a hot makeup my wheelchair is a great way to do that um and one time my sex worker held on to my hoist while I ate him out I mean that was really hot yeah we filmed that for the porn and there's a whole scene in the porn where I'm eating him out and he's like bracing his body against my medical device which I thought was really cool because it takes away this idea that these devices have to be strictly medicalized all the time yeah yeah, right. Something about like these things are a huge part of our lives. And why wouldn't we include them in something that brings us pleasure? But I find a lot of the conversations I'm having, people just don't know they're allowed to do that. Like a lot of it is just needing permission to incorporate your mobility aids into your sex because life. Because we're taught that our mobility aids should not be in the bedroom, which is not, yeah. which everybody knows is not true. Exactly. Exactly. How'd we get into the bedroom in the first place? <laughs> you had to use your mobility aid. So Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just imagine like, I don't know, there's probably there's something so nice. And this sort of like brings me back to the kink conversation we were having around like, you know, when you're in a position where people have to like do things for you and and like help and, you know, maybe like the independence isn't as high as it like was for me or maybe, you know, like there there's no such thing as true like independence. Right. It's all interdependence. No, no, it's all interdependence. Yeah. yeah. 
Exactly. But one of the things, like I had a really hard time being like, I can't do this. I need help. I have to ask for help. And so part of me, like dealing with that was to get like really bratty and to sort of explore like dominance from that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Of being like, well, I feel weird asking for this. So what if I demand it in a sexy way? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Right. I'm like, these are just access needs, but I'm like, Hey, like do this. Like I need to sit down or I need to lay down. So like get on your knees and like do this thing to me in this way. It's kind of like, Oh, uh, it feels good. It feels nice. Yeah. 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 Or like having a lot more like conversation during like a sexy experience or kinky experience and, you know, having to be like, no, we have to switch this position. We have to do this. We have to move me here whatever. And getting kind of like I don't know, getting like bratty and like obnoxious about it was like, it felt really good. It felt really like, yeah, like, exciting. That pressure off of like, oh my God, I'm the one that needs help for this. And so like, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, what other questions do I have for you? I don't know, have you gotten to explore like kink in some way? Um, like, I love leather, but mm-hmm. just like you were saying about the bonding stuff, how you can't really wear it anymore because of your scoliosis. I can't really wear a leather harness all the time because I can't put it on. So mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, I went to my favorite tattoo artist in Toronto, um, Jake Cormack. Hey. And I said, I want you to draw me a leather man in a power chair and mm-hmm. I want you to put it on my chest. And he did. And that way oh. I can still show that I'm a kinkster, but not have to wear all the stuff because I can't access it. So like, but I love leather. I love that whole look, that whole like, masculine dom thing that gets Mm -hmm. me when people wear that I'm like oh that's nice that's cool that's great I want more of that please yes yes yeah yeah cool yeah that's such a good like a good point about not being able to access the thing that like shows what you're supposed to be and I guess it's similar to like the binding piece of you know, I, if you identify as a kinkster, like, how do you show that if you can't wear the kinky things? I like bought a leather harness that like is, um, it's sort of like an under the ribs one. And, oh, it was so expensive. I like saved up for it and it's too, a little bit too tight in my ribs oh, and my no. ribs hurt. And I'm like, oh no, I don't know if I could wear this, you but. Go to a tattoo artist and be like, draw me a light little harness on there. But it, I mean, yeah, exactly. The trouble with that is when you're 50, you're going to be like, do I want this anymore? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and I've got like a handful of tattoos and I quite I quite like tattoos for a variety of reasons it's like a choice I make about my body and that feels exactly and as a disabled person like we don't often get a lot of choices about our bodies so this is where fuck you I'm doing this yeah exactly exactly and I can like tattoo things that feel like exciting for me at the time and even if that like changes later I can remember that time in my life to be like hey like that felt good at the time and this was important and I'll remember that forever I think yeah 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 yeah. but also like there's something fun about like for the first 15 minutes of a tattoo I'm like wow this hurts a lot and then after that I like feel like I kind of go into subspace where I'm like "Mm -hmm," like I can fall asleep right now it's good well I mean I have them on my chest so I could never fall asleep because it's like it's a a lot of scratchiness but like and my tattoos are a lot of shading so it's always like oh, okay I can't there's no way I can notice I can notice that you're not doing this but I did always feel like you know, I loved going in there and the guy being like what do we need to do to make this accessible for you and he would make sure that I was okay and he would make sure that like what can I do what do you want and he was a really nice good guy which reminds me I should email him after this because I want another tattoo so I'm, a- I'm actually getting one today like after this oh <laughs> nice what are you getting yes artist in Halifax I'm excited to go to so what is it fun. 
Um, it's um, it's like this sort of like femi creature that's coming out of water and has cool like sort of like mossy eyebrows and yeah, I'm I'm very excited. It'll be cool. <laughs> Onyx, did you create that creature or was it already there? No, it was Flash, and I I don't know. I'm sort of have like a mixture of like Flash and not Flash tattoos and things like that. Often there's something custom that I want, but every so often I see someone's Flash and I'm like, ooh, like that is really speaking to me. So I'm very excited. And actually, yeah, when Onyx. I was emailing this person, I was kind of like, hey, like I'm still pretty COVID conscious. Can you wear a mask and like. I hope you have a lot of pillows at this space because when I get a tattoo, like regardless of what kind of table it is, I always need like a bunch of different supports and things like that, and especially if I'm there for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And depending on where I get it, I'm still not sure. Like it'll require a lot more, I don't know, thoughtfulness and like how I'm positioned and stuff. And they were great. I love just when a tattoo artist is like, yeah, we'll make it work. And yeah, I'll wear a mask and, and yeah, make it safe for you and comfy. And I'm like, oh, nice. That's so. how you want it to be all the time. Exactly. I feel like a lot of tattoo artists, at least the ones that I've gone to, are like very accommodating, um, which is nice. It's like you have to ask because it's not, you know, you're never sure what it's going to look like. And you're um, putting it on their, you you know, they're putting it on your body. They have to like it's nice when they yeah. give a shit about who you are. Exactly. Exactly. It is. Yeah. Okay. I have another question for you. And Not because I'm a sex toy nerd. um, Yeah. Like, do you like sex toys? What kind of sex toys do you use? What are your favorites and why? <laughs> um, you know, it's going to, people are going to be surprised because I, I made a sex toy, but sex toys. I don't know. I like people and I like, I like the, I like being with somebody. I'm not saying you can't use a toy with somebody, but I like the, feel of somebody with you mm. and that's the like intensity of somebody wanting me is more exciting for me than like toy right yeah than the just like getting off to get off kind of thing yeah yeah i mean I, w I wish i could do that too but like funnily enough my body if i watch a porn my body will just come sometimes and i think cool. i was reading i was reading up about it and the, apparently that's called like thinking off you can think yourself I, like that. I was like wow that's really cool um yeah so toys for me are not really my jam I like the vulnerability of being with a new person I like the mm -hmm. weight of their body on top of me I like all that stuff more than I do like a toy mm -hmm. cool yeah but if I, if I was to use one and I the ones I have used I like the vibrators mm -hmm. nothing penetrative because it's too hard mm -hmm. to hold and do and it's too much work but the vibrators on like the general area are really nice because usually for me when I because I have a catheter to pee and I have to do all that stuff too mm -hmm. so so having a different sensation that is there out of like desire is fun but yeah for the, for the most part I like people instead of things mm -hmm. cool yeah yeah, I feel like in the last little bit, I've been really attached to my sex toys. And I have like toys that I like will use with my partner and then toys that are like just for me. <laughs> so I'm like, no, these are not to be shared. These are my special toys. Mine, I name them. They're ridiculous. I have a dildo called Russell. Um, oh, and I love it. And yeah, one of my favorites, actually. I, I love a silicone dildo with like a lot of texture because there's so many ways you can use yeah, that. Yeah, the texture. I like texture. I love texture. Exactly. Yeah. There's something. And, you know, I think like a lot of the dildos that I have, they're ridiculous looking. Like I'm into like the sort of fantasy dildos, the weird shapes, like nothing that's too. Ones that are like yeah. 
Yes. Exactly. I love that. It's fun. It's funny. And it's like the whole thing doesn't have to go in you all the time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you should go see a doctor after because that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's impressive what the body can put in itself. Hold. Yeah. 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 But um, but yeah, one of like my favorite things is figuring out how to use a dildo in like multiple ways. It's like, okay, where can I rub this? What can I put it in? How can I use this? Like, what about it is exciting me? Like I yeah, there's, there's so many, usually like if I'm going to get a toy, I'm sort of like with my eyes closed, like squishing it and feeling it and figuring out like, what it's going to feel like. I'm not, yeah. like switching up and down and low. That's good. great. Yeah. Like I'm not a visual person when it comes to like sexy stuff in general. I'm very like in my brain about it. I also love sounds. Like I, I really like the like squishy wet sounds that bodies make. I just think they're like so hot. <laughs> you watch Stranger Things? No, I've I've heard that I should. I think that the only I, reason that I'm bringing that up right now is because they it's it's you know fantasy horror, but they have yeah. a lot of squelchy sounds, mm. and you might like that. You I love like squelchy sounds. Yeah, <laughs> I love squelching, and that's I think one of my issues with porn is like you get a lot of like voice sounds and not a lot of squelchy sounds. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Versus, but I read I read my porn most of the time because it gives me the opportunity to like envision it in my mind and change it as I see fit yeah I love reading like kink porn and stuff like that and half the time it's things I would like never even do for myself but like I like reading about it it's fun things that I'm like oh this is maybe a little too intense for me or like I do not like impact play because my body hurts I don't want anything hitting it I'm much more into sort of like sharp and temperature and sensation play and stuff like that but but I'll watch, like, I'll read about it and be like, oh, yeah, that's kind of sexy. Cool. Like, Hot, yeah. Dude, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I could sit and talk with you for five more hours, but I want to, I want to, <laughs> I want to let you get ready for that tattoo. This is so right? fun. Got to have a snack and things like that. Yeah, rest. Ready. And... Exactly. This is so fun. And I definitely yeah. want to talk to you more about actually coming to Halifax and doing that thing, whatever it is. Uh, right. Because we'd have so much fun together. It'd be so fun. Yeah. I love Halifax. It's so nice out there. Um, I know it is nice. I love it here. Um, so how do the people they want to follow your work and support you and and help you out? How do they do that? Yeah, I mean, I don't have like a huge social media presence or anything, but feel free to follow Venus Envy. Um, it's Venus Envy HFX if you are closer to like the Maritimes. We're like pretty active on there. There's also Venus Envy Ottawa um yeah and so there's things there workshops things like that we are a sex shop and a bookstore it's cool books there we have a whole section on like disability and neurodivergence and stuff like that um yeah I I've been told by several people that I should be more easily findable just myself on Instagram um because I do I like, don't blame you social media yeah. is a hellfire I don't it's, I, it's I know. Not really yeah. Worth it. yeah, yeah yeah and it's like if you follow me on Instagram you're not gonna get like a cool professional page it's just like me like photo I jumping know. every year and like a couple pictures of me on the toilet like I'm ridiculous it's silly it's ridiculous but if you want to follow me it's rom underscore roast <laughs> rom roast yeah <laughs> amazing i love it i love it so much all right i'll make sure that that's in the show notes yeah. michelle you're so much fun and i there was so there was this was great and thank you so much yeah. for being on disability oh my project. gosh you're so much fun i had such a good time i was so excited when they asked me to do this like oh, i'm I, so glad yeah i've like known about this podcast for so so long and i was just like huh? me really cool yeah i know when i saw you the, the thing we did together i was like i have to invite her on i can't yeah. i have to yeah, yeah. I so appreciate that. Thanks for it having was me. So fun anytime. 
Um, well, thank you for being here, and we'll talk to you soon. Yay! Bye. <laughs> Bye. And just before we close out, I want to say we're also going to bring back our series, our little mini-series we were doing there for a while, uh, Popcorn and Power Chairs. We're going to bring that back. So if you have a disability-themed piece of media, watchable media preferably, if you have a disability-themed piece of media like a movie or a TV show that you think I should review for the series, let me know. Uh, it'll go on every other week. Just like, so you'll still get a week, you'll still get a month worth of content, but every two weeks you've got Disability After Dark, and then every other week you'll get um, Popcorn and Power Chairs. And who knows, occasionally I might say, you know what, I need a month to just rest. And that's what we're going to do, because here at Disability After Dark, we believe that rest is a right. So thank you all for sticking with me. It means the world. Thank you, thank you. And uh, we're going to get back to it. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And we'll see you next week for Popcorn Power Chairs. I haven't decided the movie yet at this point of recording. So I will let you know when you hear the episode. Thanks, friends. I'm your disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. And we'll see you next time. Bye! All right, friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm, of course, your delectable daddy host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for being here and shining a light on these stories with me. Thank you. If you want to follow my work, you can go to www.andrewgerza.com. Anytime, all my links are there. If you want to support the show in any way, we, you can leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and that will give you access to the show one day early, completely ad-free for as little as $1 a month or $5 a month or more if that works for your budget. Also, there are yearly amounts available there. So if you wanted to do that, that would be great. If you're able to, I would appreciate it. If you want to be a guest on the show, please email me directly at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com or andrew at andrewgerza.com. I would love to have you and shine a light on your story. Thank you so much for listening to these episodes and supporting disability content by listening to Disability After Dark. And we will see you for our next episode in two weeks. Thanks, friends. Talk to you soon. Bye!